This is based with Des and Hiram. So how's it going, guys? Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Hiram. And my name is Carissa Des. We have a special guest today, Tristan Schaub. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like what your profession is and everything, Tristan? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Tristan Schaub, and I am a family nurse practitioner in Kennewick, Washington. I work in family practice. I have a master's of science in nursing with a postgraduate FNP certification. And today we were hoping to talk about COVID-19 and the vaccine and Tristan. Ah, who Tristan, wants to talk about that? <laughs> right? Everybody's already talking about it. Uh, but, but Tristan is the person who convinced me to finally get the vaccine. I was on the fence about it. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I have, you know, all my other, I'm up to date on all my other vaccines uh, and boosters. But it's, the vaccine was just such a new uh, such a new vaccine and it's like all these big pharmas putting them out and there are a lot of people who are in power who are unwilling to take the vaccine so it just made me a little hesitant I know that there are a lot of conspiracy theories going around about the the vaccine and COVID in general and I just didn't know who to believe so I chatted with you about it, and uh, we talked for probably like an hour about it. I was just asking you all of my questions, and you definitely convinced me to to get the vaccine. Off the record, I might have said some cuss words to you. Yeah, you were getting pretty worked up, but it you got through to me, and that's that's the so, important thing. <laughs> touching on um, what you said already, I think there is so much misinformation regarding the vaccine. Even to say that it's such new science is misinformation because it's really okay. not. I mean, they had worked on the mRNA vaccines for like 15 years now. It mm-hmm. is not a brand new science. Um, it's genius, really. I think it's going to change the future of medicine. I'm hoping yeah. actually that in the future, you know. Yeah. Because um, now we can isolate a single protein and and build immunity towards that without infecting us with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually think it's brilliant science, and I think at this point in the pandemic, it's pretty clear that it's safe and effective. Where did you learn about COVID? Was it something that the family practitioners had to learn, and uh, medical staff at your hospital had well, had to learn? Honestly, or? we I started hearing about it when it was. First, if you're talking about SARS-CoV-2, when it was still in China before it really hit the U.S. in early, you know, late 2019, um, early 2020. So, I mean, it's not like, no, they don't they don't pull you aside and say, hey, let's talk about what's going on in China. I mean, we learned about it really from the media, like everyone else initially. And then you just have to start reading and studying. And it early on became very, very politicized. But just staying up to date on what's going on globally with this virus and virology and um, what we're going to do if it hits the U.S. Right. And, and you told me seen anything like this in our lifetime, you know? Yeah. And you had said that you have a doctor friend who in his free time would do a lot of research into the virus and, and the vaccine as well. So you shared information amongst each other about that as well. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, all of us in practice would talk to each other and kind of stay up to date on where this was moving and where it was headed. And 
you know, back before we were all mandated to even wear masks and such. Mm-hmm. It's kind of our job. I mean, medicine's always changing and we have to kind of know what to do and how to approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tristan, if I could ask, in your experience as a doctor, and, and maybe this would require somebody who has more experience as a doctor in political science, and I, I don't know the extent of your experience in that kind of cross-sectional field, I guess. Um, why do you think people quickly became enticed in the the political aspect of the vaccine? Like, why why do you feel doctors' voices were kind of set aside for politics? Well, I'm not, full disclosure, I'm not a, a medical doctor. I'm not an MD. I'm a nurse practitioner. Of course. Um, just, just I don't want to claim that title because I didn't mm-hmm. do that same training. My background was in emergency nursing, actually, before I went on for my... With uh, my mom. Practitioner. With my right, wonderful exactly. mother. For years, I worked with her. I worked with her back when we were pediatrics. Um, she like loved She loved working in pediatrics. She loves new babies. Yeah. That's Anyway, um, so my cousin is a political science major. I don't know how much mm-hmm. I can speak on that specifically on the whys and the, you know, the rationale behind that. I just think that 2020 and actually since the Trump administration, really, we've been in really politically polarized times. Mm-hmm. I don't think that um, our country's ever seen such political polarization and division. And so, I mean, would it be fair to say that in your experience, the the political polarization did you really start experiencing it would it be fair to say you really started experiencing it at the moment that the trump administration took office or is it something that you feel as somebody in the medical field how you've been experiencing that for many years now no matter who's in power and stuff um trigger warning when you say trump (laughs) we all get yeah yeah no (laughs) honestly i think that um that experience is going to be individualized I can see it since, you know, Trump was first elected, really. But it just Mm -hmm. became worse, I think. It became worse and worse. He emboldened uh, people to have kind of an an F your feelings attitude. And I don't know. That's almost a whole different conversation outside of Mm -hmm. COVID. But, I mean, Trump emboldened people to think that they may know better or that they may be their own experts. Mm -hmm. I mean... He was he was suggesting drinking bleach and why can't we just solve this and figure it out? And he was making fun of those with masks and those who followed him followed suit, you know. And then, you know, then he inevitably got COVID and then he inevitably got the vaccine because that's just the, you know, responsible thing to do. He and got the best treatment possible. And he was like, had look at me, I'm fine. Antibodies before <laughs> anyone else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just... um I think that if he initially had stayed out of it and left it up to medical doctors, it would have probably been handled better. Mm-hmm. Or at but least listened to, to science and, and the doctors. Right. Uh, Instead of letting them. people think that their own research that they do at home is more valuable than billions of dollars in research from mm-hmm. the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To change course a little bit. So a lot of people think that once you've already had COVID, you don't need to take the vaccine. And that's not true. But can you uh, go into Touch that a little that. bit? Sure. So natural immunity is great. Natural immunity is definitely a thing. Right after someone's had COVID, if they make it through okay, then they generally have high levels of antibodies. 
but that lasts for a short period of time. So like four months or something? Yeah. Probably varies. Three or four months. It does vary. Everybody's different. But, you know, for approximately 90 days, they're pretty well protected with the high um, levels of antibodies against getting COVID again. But unfortunately, their immunity doesn't last and you can catch COVID again and again. Mm -hmm. Um, I've known of people who have ended up in the ICU the third time they had it and then regretted not getting vaccinated. They just maybe had really mild cases to begin with and then didn't think it would be that severe. Right. Um, So unfortunately, while natural immunity is great, everybody is different as to how well they maintain their antibodies after they get COVID. And I, I still recommend to all of my patients that they get vaccinated afterwards. And there have been some studies that talk about, and I've had patients who, who vouch that their COVID symptoms improved or resolved after getting vaccinated. Yeah, that was something that I was really curious about, whether the long-term effects of COVID-19 would be worse than the long-term effects of the vaccine, because people are saying, oh, if you get the vaccine, you have more chance of getting blood clots later on in life or, you know, and various other things. But I had also heard... um, Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that I had also heard that uh, you could have the same from from COVID. And I personally got, or I, I'm pretty sure I had COVID in January 2020. Like I had all the symptoms and it was before I even really knew what COVID was. And, you know, I had a really bad fever. I had trouble breathing and all that. And uh, for months after that, I had, you know, trouble breathing and I had a cough and I just like had, would have this weird pressure headache, sinus headache is what it felt like. Then I later read that, you know, you can have these symptoms and they could last forever. Uh, But I remember talking with you about this and you had said that those symptoms could even be lessened, like long-term effects. If you've already had COVID could be lessened if you get the the vaccine. You know, I, every single day in my practice, I'm now dealing with patients with long hauler symptoms. We call long hauler. And there or some patients will name it different things like COVID attacks. And we're talking about people who had COVID a year ago or several months ago, and they still have residual shortness of breath or, you know, get fatigued very easily, have dizzy episodes, have their heart raised. I have patients who have had um, inflammation of their organs, splenomegaly, decreased a GFR, which is their kidney filtration, increased liver enzymes. I've had a lot of inflammatory issues with patients who have had COVID. And if you follow, I know it's difficult and people question data and numbers because of the politicalization of this pandemic. But I can say with certainty, what I know is that the long-term effects of COVID are absolutely going to be much worse than any long-term effects of this vaccine. The way that vaccines generally work is if somebody's going to have a bad side effect or a complication of a vaccine, it's going to happen within the first few weeks after getting it. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are few and far between. I think that there are way less complications from the vaccine than there are from COVID, for sure. I have to ask, um, am I getting injected with mercury or some ridiculous ingredients? Or is it something that we reasonably can trust because of prior data? What is your You You knowledge? are, but we aren't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the answer that I give my patients is whatever minuscule amounts of toxins may be in that tiny vaccine, 
you could live to be 100 years old and it's not enough to cause you any serious health damage. And that's what I tell my patients. These are not things that we worry about. What you should worry about is getting COVID and going into ARDS or getting COVID pneumonia and dying. You know, mm-hmm. um, those are those are much bigger worries. I mean, if people who worry about those little things don't know the ingredients in their Robitussin, you know, they take mm-hmm. over-the-counter supplements and um, medications every day and have no idea what's in it. And suddenly they have, you know, a PhD and pharmacology when it comes to this vaccine. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. That reminds me of the meme that I saw recently where someone is saying, oh, I don't believe in doctors when they're doing research and they're like actually reading books and doing research. And like the second part of the meme was I do my own research and it's like somebody on the toilet looking Rolling at their iPhone. Their <laughs> yes. yes. So, Tristan, um, I really have to ask, like, how do we know that there aren't long-term effects if the COVID vaccine was recently developed. I feel like that's a question I get a lot, you know, when talking to people that are questioning whether or not they want to take the vaccine, it's always like, well, how do we know what the long-term effects are if nobody's had it for a long-term? So I feel like um, those are just irrational fears. And if you kind of understand the pathophysiology of how vaccines work and how your immune system works and how antibodies work. And even though it seems mysterious because it's not a way that we've developed immunity before in the past, it's not really. It's still the same process of developing antibodies against a spike protein so that your body can recognize it and attack it if you get infected and have the ability to fight it off. You know, it's really, I mean, I just think that's an irrational type of fear. No, that's just not how vaccines work. I mean, nobody says, oh, I got my polio vaccine when I was a kid and I have these long-term effects from it. Well, that's really not what happens. It's just not what our immune system does. We build um, antibodies. We have a transient illness or potentially an inflammatory reaction that causes, um, you know, some people with predisposed issues like, Uh, blood clotting disorders. Um, But, you know, some people are predisposed to having certain complications and they just may not know it or um, when they get the vaccine or, you know, potentially they had an underlying virus in their system and it then comes out, it activates it like a Bell's palsy, which is transient and self-limiting. You know, most complications that people have had that I've known of are just self-limiting issues. They're not long-term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually have not heard of anyone having side effects from the vaccine. And I've and I know a lot of people who are vaccinated and of course there's been like they've felt like crap for like a week after getting poked, but that's about it. I haven't and I know that there are actually people who have have been negatively affected by the vaccine, but there are more but- people who have not gotten covid after getting the vaccine. So. Right. I think that you said something important. You said you haven't known if anybody personally, but you've heard of people saying it. And that's the same for me. And I have hundreds and hundreds of patients, right? And um, I haven't had a single person who I know for sure had a complication from the vaccine. It's all third party stories. And I don't know how much credibility to give to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so you like haven't had someone come in, come in to see you and say that they have had complications. You know, I've had, of course, I've had a few patients. Um, Some of them seem like maybe anxiety or panic disorders that they had in the couple of days after getting it. That's Mm -hmm. not a joke because people are just very scared. Yeah. Um, But 
I, I've had patients who also had COVID and then say, and then I, a few weeks later, I got vaccinated. And now I've been having some shortness of breath when I do jujitsu. And I'm like, okay, well, you're saying it for sure it's the vaccine, but you also had COVID. Had you exercised again and resumed your normal physical activity after being sick? You know, I just can't, I haven't had a single person that I could definitively say, man, they're having trouble after having the vaccine, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have another question. It was, I actually read something about it today or I was just on social media and it made me think, but so when people get the vaccine and they're around people who haven't had the vaccine, aren't they at a higher risk of being a carrier of COVID? Aren't people who haven't had the vaccine uh, at a higher risk of being able to carry the so carry that's a, COVID? That's a good question. That's a good question. The answer is no, they're not at a higher risk. But yes, they, are, they have a higher chance of being asymptomatic. The reason mm-hmm. being is that it's a rhinomucosal virus, right? So it enters our body through our mouth and nose mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe eyes and breathing it, respiratory, but primarily like, you know, rhinomucosal virus. So say that a person gets exposed to COVID, it starts there in our head, which is why sometimes it starts with symptoms of congestion, headache, and sore throat. And then it travels and you have antibodies that you're able to fight it if you're vaccinated. So they could have it and be asymptomatic if they're vaccinated or have it and have like very mild symptoms and not realize it and potentially be able to spread it still. It doesn't necessarily prevent them from spreading it. That said, if the other people around them were vaccinated, then they also wouldn't get a serious illness. You know what I mean? So it's a personal choice that they're making to potentially expose themselves to a virus that could make them very sick. I mean we all have to like make that choice for ourselves. And that's why we still have people being hospitalized. That's why we're still wearing masks and having precautions in most places. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily that they're at a higher chance of being a carrier, but they can be like kind of a silent carrier, not know it, be asymptomatic and still spread it. Yeah. And the people who are, a lot of people who I know who are not unwilling to get the vaccination also don't believe in wearing masks. So that's, gives them even a higher chance of uh, carrying the virus as well, I'm sure. Right. Just not understanding the severity. They obviously haven't lost anyone that they loved to COVID yet, and they don't, or they just don't take it seriously or think that it would happen to them. It's some form of denial. It tends to be affiliated with certain political beliefs. And um, I mean, there are jokes like, how do you say you're a Trumpy without you like pull your mask down below your nose or... (laughs) Yeah. I will stand up for what I think is right. And I, th- I do believe that it's right to get the vaccine. But I just like a lot of times I'm just like, I don't want to have that argument. Like, I don't want to be that person. You know, and so hopefully, person hopefully has this- their own reasons. What I've gone to saying to people, because even as a provider, I can't come off as like aggressive and just tell people what I really think, because they're just going to be like, oh, you know, can't listen to her. She's a liberal or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll make it political somehow. If I tell them like, look, you really need to get it. I've only told that to a few people who have other underlying health conditions. For the most part, I tell people you need to do what's best for you. And there are, there are some legitimate arguments. Uh, there's some legitimate history and reasons behind mistrust of the government, especially when it, as it pertains to people of color and just what the government's historically done with Tuskegee mm-hmm. trials and multiple, you know, um, times that they've, you know, their people were experimented on and, and done wrong. And 
So there is some legitimacy to those fears and that mistrust. And I don't um, discredit that at all. You know, I understand some people feeling like, I don't know, I just feel fearful of this. And I feel like it's um, been too politicized and there's been too much regulation of it that it makes me nervous and uncomfortable. I wonder if, you know, when vaccines came out for other viruses, if there was the same pushback or I don't think so. I think people used to line up, like, give it to me. I don't want to, my child to get sick. And they were warriors, you know, like little polio warriors. There, there was different names for them. Like uh, the people that were like, no, me first. Like people were lining up, like, please give me vaccines. We don't want this illness. Mm-hmm. And they trusted it. You know, people go into the military and line up and get multiple vaccines. And oh some gosh. of them are terrible <laughs> anthrax and all kinds of really toxic substances that yeah. people wouldn't want. And, um, they trust it then when they're entering the military and it's a requirement. It's a requirement um, to be vaccinated to go into medicine. You can't go into nursing school without being fully vaccinated. Yeah, I was actually about to get recruited into the National Guard. And uh, I right before boot camp, my recruiter was like, you're going to go to Afghanistan and you're going to have a gun and you're probably going to have to shoot people. And I last minute I was like no I think it's not for me but I ended up I ended up going to these drills on the weekends and uh I was pumped with all these vaccinations and I didn't even question it <laughs> like those were probably bad for me but I didn't get sick for a long time after that and you felt, felt like that for a few days like, and then and then I felt like a superhero okay. for, for yeah. years <laughs> exactly I didn't even think about it back then so exactly um, you just did it yeah. because they told you, hey, this could save your life. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is with the COVID vaccine. I've had three of them now. I have no fear of it. I got my flu shot last week and whined for a couple of days like, man, I would have rather had another COVID shot. <laughs> Tristan, you just mentioned the flu. And I feel like that was a very um, common conversation, COVID. You know, everybody was like, well... Yeah, it's less dangerous than the flu. It's got like a 2% mortality rate. The flu is more dangerous and whatnot. Um, How is COVID different from the flu? And Those statements are just absolutely false. Mm -hmm. This is not the flu. Having recently lost someone that I love from complications of COVID, um, a a dear friend of mine passed away. And um, Sorry to hear that. I mean. Yeah, I'll just say like, this is not the flu. This is not influenza. They might have based that those statements on very, very early data. But it's clear now that the mortality rate is much, much higher. This is not even a virus that humans were supposed to have to fight. You know, Um, it is much more aggressive than influenza. It causes way higher incidence of uh, ARDS or uh, acute respiratory um, distress syndrome, where your lungs just um, no longer oxygenate. their infiltrates and it's just much more aggressive. It will, um, there's a much, you know, much higher mortality rate. It is just not influenza. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. Um, when I was going to school for, uh, I'm a biology major. When I was going to school, one of the instructors who was teaching us about virology was saying that there's going to be a super bug probably in, my lifetime and I was thinking oh whatever I like I could fight that like there's nothing there's no virus that can harm me we'll just get a vaccination and you know he was saying like that's it's gonna happen and we're not gonna know what to do about it and sure enough like 10 years later here it is it's it's just crazy 
historically about every believe that it years. Would, yeah, you know, with all the technology that we have, I don't think people are expecting it to affect us like it did. And I also think that we didn't even know how to treat patients initially. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't even know that proning them on their stomach would have better outcomes. We didn't even know that their mortality rates would increase probably if they ended up on the vent. They were intubating and, and ventilating patients. Their outcomes were poor. Um, and that's just been shown time and again. And it still is, is kind of a last-ditch effort. It's still not. I mean, I've had friends that are respiratory therapists that are like, I can't take it anymore. You know, I've only extubated one patient in the last three months that's lived with COVID, you know. I, I mean, I guess if you don't work in healthcare and you don't see it, then people, it's just not real to a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, they just go about their lives and they just want to, um, they just want normalcy so bad that they're like, I'm tired of masks. I'm tired of this. And it's like, we're tired of people dying. My mom works at the emergency room. She, you know, I just, you, you see the look on her face when she's telling me these stories of these people that come in and she was telling me that almost anytime somebody goes on the ventilator, they die. Like she had at the time that last year when she was telling me about this, she was saying that there was not one person who came in who was put on a ventilator that walked out. There was one guy that everybody cheered for. He ended up coming in a week later and and passing away. Um, And yeah, I I knew that she wasn't lying. And uh, it just, you know, her telling me these stories just made it more real to me. And I'm grateful that I did take it seriously early on. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It's like people will think that they're getting through it. Okay. Like it's just like a normal flu or cold. And then at day about day 10 to 12, they'll start to tank and start to have the respiratory distress and start to get very, very sick. And by the time they get into the hospital, sometimes it's late and there's just not a lot of interventions left. And the sad part is half, you know, having to, um, see these people in isolation away from their families dying alone. And that's just been so many of my colleagues and, and nurse friends and doctor friends. And, um, you know, so many medical workers during this pandemic have been seeing that over and over and over. And it's just the saddest, most awful thing. I mean, it's no flu we've ever had has come close to this. Mm-hmm. And I think that during 2020, we had like a fear, but not a clear understanding of what this was going to look like. 2021 has been much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people that I know treat it like it's we're not in a pandemic anymore. And I know I go out, but I, I still am careful. But I just seems like people kind of forget that it's even happening because they, you know, haven't been affected personally by it. Or they're but, vaccinated. So they have like, you know, a false sense of security, really. I don't know um, if it's a false sense. It's a very real security. I mean, um, mm-hmm. but I've had several patients lately testing positive for COVID with mild type of symptoms that that are vaccinated and so it's like man that's a bummer too that we're still you know dealing with this i just hope for it to be, start becoming less severe yeah um so recently the governor of oregon said that we are reaching herd immunity can you tell us a little bit about that because that's a term that has been confusing to me so um, people early on were saying, oh, we'll just go out into public and get herd immunity. And that did not seem correct to me. Um, so that's not how that you don't, you don't, don't get herd works, immunity right? from other people. What, <laughs> when you reach um, a point of herd immunity, if you think about it like a large herd of sheep, 
like for instance, San Francisco is getting close to that. They have such a high vaccination rate that they've lifted some of their mask mandates and bans. Um, they're reaching closer to a herd immunity status. The more people who get vaccinated, the the less people who are getting very sick. And mm-hmm. that's just kind of, and the other people benefit off of that. Like the children who are anti-vax benefit from herd immunity. They go to school with a bunch of children who are vaccinated. Therefore, they don't get seriously sick because it's unlikely to continue to spread, a, a have a high viral load if people are vaccinated. Yeah. So if, say, everybody's vaccinated in a city, I mean, I don't think it would ever happen, but let's just say that. Is there a chance that in that city, COVID would would not mutate as much and it would stay in this form that our body is used to and uh, has has immunity to? Does that make sense? No, I, I don't think that's the way virology works. I mean, viruses continue to to mutate and there are going to be other people traveling through there. Okay, um, because I read something about that in the news today and it didn't that also didn't really make sense to me. <laughs> I I read a lot of things and I I don't I just kind of take it all in, but I don't um take it read all like as a fact, tidbit. especially right. yeah, especially if it's not from an actual scientist. Like I I feel like a lot of people don't completely understand what they're talking about when they're talking about COVID-19. Right. So I kind of take it in one ear and just like it, I think about it and I don't take it as fact. I guess what we hope and what we're, we're, you know, the goal is for these vaccines to cover the newer strands as well. And the whole idea is that we're not vaccinating against actual the COVID virus and its small mutations and variants. We're vaccinating against that spike protein that lives on the outside of the virus that allows it into the cell to replicate, to make us sick. And so if our body can just continue to recognize that spike protein um, with the vaccine, then our bodies can fight it off better. Um, But no, I mean, I think that the virus will continue to mutate and that's just how that works. But I'm just hoping that it eventually mutates to a less severe or infectious type of form where humans don't get as sick from it, where Mm -hmm. it's not as deadly just like a regular cold. So um, if uh, humans continue to be affected and, you know, it, it harms their, their bodies and, and causes all of the like brain, and brain, brain inflammation and, and all of these things, will it continue to, to mutate uh, and be more harmful if, if we kind of if, if it keeps affecting people in a very negative way, is there a chance that it will? It sounds like a scary movie, right? Yeah. I think that there are still parts of the population that who are weak or immune compromised who will still be negatively affected. It still will have, I think that the mortality rate will, will reduce over time. And that's kind of what we've seen, we've seen previously from other pandemics and other viruses as they run their courses. Um, they usually I mutate mean, to be less harmful. Yeah. And we do develop some immunity after people have had it, you know, and everybody's different. Every it, it hits everybody differently, and it depends on where their immune system is at at the time. I think, and um, like I say, sometimes people will get it mild, and then um, the next time they get it, it's much more severe. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I just don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think there's going to be a quick cure. They're working on different. Um, I think the monoclonal antibodies are very promising. You know, they're they're doing different antivirals that are showing to be pretty promising. I don't think that anything comes without some sort of risk or side effect, but I think that monoclonal antibodies are a lot safer than 
large doses of ivermectin and a lot more effective. What are monoclonal antibodies? Antibodies. Um, Monoclonal antibodies are, I think maybe President Trump might have been one of the earlier people to get it when he was really sick. They're now available through the government for people at high risk. And um, one of the risk factors can just be obesity. It can be um, having an autoimmune disease. You know, there's a whole list of different risk factors that make you eligible to receive them if you test positive for COVID. And if you get the injections or uh, IV infusions within the first four or five days, you have antibodies to be able to fight off SARS-CoV-2, to be able to get better quicker, to reduce your symptoms and improve. Um, And I've seen it personally with my own eyes with my patients, and I've, you know, read studies on it. And it's just, it's a treatment that's now available and funded by the government. It doesn't even cost people anything if they're a, if they qualify to get them. Um, oh, wow. Imagine if we really could all get effective. that. Right. But you, that's what I was wondering. You know, I mean, I just don't think we're there yet. We don't know a whole bunch about it. As far as um, long hauler symptoms, would getting monoclonal antibodies help with some of those symptoms? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. It might impart some of this population, but I just don't think we have enough studies on these things yet. Mm-hmm. And Tristan, um, how do you see society maybe adjusting to the you know types of viruses that we might see in the future do you think that after this pandemic we're better prepared or was this pandemic just like oh we're not prepared at all and we're probably not going to be prepared next time i hope that we that we improve on our emergency preparedness as far as um stocking up on PPE, you know, personal protective equipment. It was ridiculous that people were buying out masks and hospitals weren't, uh, didn't have enough equipment to care for patients. Mm -hmm. And these are staff that are exposed directly to people with it. I I think that we were poorly prepared and that's political as well. I mean, I don't know the facts on it, but I just know that, um, that at one point there was more emergency preparedness. And it seems like maybe somebody had told me under the Obama administration, they used up some of those supplies. Um, I, I hope that we be better prepared in the future. Um, Gosh, if we're not prepared next time. We'd, well, I hope damn. that there's not another next Hopefully time. Hopefully we learned. Yeah. yeah. But, I, I, but I'll say that I know the hospital system work on emergency prepared plans and um, equipment and being ready for. Yeah, at least having that plan know. in place would be super helpful. Right. But individual people are going to say, this is America. I have my rights. This is my freedoms. They always say that. (laughs) I know. Yeah. What do you What do you think about the vaccine mandates? That's the next question I was going to ask you uh, because a lot of people are for the vaccine, but they're not for the mandates. You know, not being able to work certain jobs if they don't have the vaccine. People are just really upset about that. But so I definitely deal with that a lot in the area that I live. I live in a very Mm -hmm. red area of the state and. We have several government entities out here in Tri-Cities with Hanford and such, and it's a huge thing. I deal with that every day. What, I've deci- what we have decided in our practice is we are not giving out vaccine exemptions. I don't think that there's a medical reason good enough for it, and I'm not getting involved in people's personal beliefs. That said, I don't necessarily like the mandates because I don't believe in being a hypocrite. And if I think you know, when it comes to women's rights, uh, their body, their choice, then it should be someone's choice. I don't believe in forcing things on people. Although I think it's the smartest thing to do. I don't necessarily believe in 
mandating uh, medical choices for people. I don't think that's right either. It makes me uncomfortable in my spirit. Yeah, that's that was a tough one for me too because I don't really like a whole lot of government oversight or like I don't like the government putting their hands into things. I, I, I like the government to stay out of it as much as possible. So that made me I feel a little bit uncomfortable too, choose, even though... I think if more people, if they had just not made some of these mandates, there were people that were on the fence and, and really thinking about getting vaccinated. And just because they were told that they had to, it made them automatically be like, mm-hmm. no, you know, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. You're not forcing me. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Christians are, are that way because they think it's, uh, I don't want to get too much into yeah. this, but religious people are, you know, thinking that it's like, a mark, a mark of the mark beast, of the beast I think. right so, yeah so i can see that being an issue revelations sure mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i've heard that from some religious people and that's you know that's their fear i don't think that's rational either but mm-hmm. you know it's all become so controversial there's only one right way and it's my way and and you know if you're vaccinated you're this and that and if you're not then you're this and that and i just don't think that anything needs to be that way that's not a productive solution yeah, I personally can honestly say that I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I there's so much that I don't know about the virus and the vaccine and the mutations and everything. I'm just trying to do my best to try to keep myself and my family safe and people in my community safe. Uh, that's exactly right. Without and that's what I tell people. I say you need to do what's right. best for you. Absolutely. And that's what I say. I live and let live. And I tell people, although I think it's the smartest thing for you to get the vaccine, especially if you go out publicly and you don't work from home and socially distance and such, I think it is the smartest thing. However, live and let live, really. I mean, gosh darn it, I wish more people would get vaccinated, but I don't believe in forcing anyone. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, um, I, I almost sometimes kind of go, well, not sometimes, I go back and forth on this particular, you know, mandate a lot because while it is true that we respect people's autonomy it's also true that we have a lot of laws that infringe on your autonomy right like you could get fined for not wearing a seatbelt, and that's a big fine right it's like a 500 dollars fine if not more and that's something that mostly only puts you in danger and not, you know, other people, I mean, driving unsafely puts other people in danger, but not having a seatbelt yourself is more for your own safety than it is for other people's safety. And so, but we still have that mandate, right? So that makes me think, how far is this vaccine mandate from other things like seatbelt laws? And is it such an important existential issue that it justifies having the government intervene and making those mandates right because the government is kind of like this entity that exists as long as everybody accepts the social contract contract right that's built like we give up some of our rights and 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 some of our autonomy uh in exchange for some form of security whether like it's economic whether it's bodily uh government essentially is formed to give people security of some sort so I, I don't know. For me, it's a really difficult question because I, I, I think about like seatbelt laws and, and other laws related, you know, to my autonomy that, that are in place to keep me safe. And I in the context of a pandemic, I, it's, it's just really tough. There's just no comparison. Right? But it's a I hear you. And I think that's a, a super valid argument. And it's like you're right. I mean, this is a social construct that we 
sign up for. And obviously the government deemed that not enough people were making the responsible decisions. So they're like, okay, well, look, guys, unemployment's out. And if you're not going to do this, then you can't work at certain places. And certain jobs um, required for people to be fully vaccinated to work there in the, the first place. So why these people are suddenly um, making medically irresponsible decisions just out of, uh, you know, misinformation and out of protest. <laughs> right. But it's like, you know, the people, it's the same people protesting the vaccine that were against Colin Kaepernick protesting. <laughs> I know that's hilarious to me or just the black lives matter protests in general. They're like, Oh, yeah. these people are anti-government. Uh, these people are un-American. Right. Because <laughs> and then they, they're like, Oh, they look like fools out here, like zombies protesting. And then they go and do the same thing for other issues. Yeah. yeah other things. Yeah. That's people are really, people are hardly concerned with their actual ideas and more concerned about their labels. And that's what's really frustrating to me that it's really evident in the political, in the political arena, and just in the political climate in general that people really stick to their labels uh, more than they stick to just their individual ideas and choices. So, if you're conservative, then you just don't believe in the vaccine because you're conservative and not because. You don't truly believe in it. And then you have that. And then you mix in this social media monster that has no ethical responsibility for the kind of information that it's feeding people because its only concern is profit. I, I think you get, you know, a very good, I guess, environment to build this perfect storm where we fail massively as a country to address the the pandemic, the, the, the virus. It's... um. No, but absolutely. It's all valid. There's, there are so many layers to this. I mean, it's just, it's so complex when it comes to the social dynamic of it. And, and you're absolutely right. I agree with what you're saying. I think that um, if it weren't for media's misinformation and social media in general, being so toxic, we wouldn't have the issues and the resistance that we're having. Yeah, I almost feel like people were more accepting of the polio vaccine because nobody fooled themselves into thinking they can understand medicine right exactly (laughs) it was yeah i mean it was just black and white it was like okay there's this this thing that's killing people and killing my children i'm going to take this vaccine for it it wasn't like this debate like well what about this conspiracy and that one you had a need to trust your doctor Mm because you weren't the expert and there was no internet telling you what to think so i've only had one patient that's so funny that came to me and debate this with me as though and become disrespectful as though he was arguing with someone on Facebook. And I had to say time out. You can go back to Facebook with that. You're not going to come here and disrespect me. If you don't honor my opinion, then you don't need to come see me. (laughs) 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 Like really, like, I mean, don't you come and see me for my expertise? If you don't believe I have any, then there's the door. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Respect your medical staff, everybody. It's they're working hard these days. Yeah, it shows you how little people really know about what they're talking about because they walk in like if they know, you know, medicine or understand. I took like one month of OCHEM, and after that, I knew I knew nothing in the medical in the <laughs> yep. medical field. Yep. Like I, I was done. I was like, this mm-hmm. is it. I chemical yeah. transduction pathways. Who? No thanks. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. know that. It's too complicated. Yes, take one biochemistry or anatomy and physiology class. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. An A and P class. One. That with that, just I was take like, one wow. Before you realize okay. that you're humbled. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> yeah, I had to take A&P twice. It was a very interesting class, but there's just so many details to learn. <laughs> like, I personally, I mean, <laughs> everybody has their personal experiences and stories when it comes to what we've dealt with in, in the pandemic. And I don't think that we'll even begin to scratch the surface of um, what medical staff have been going through as it pertains to PTSD and being similar to war times. Um, and, and the mental health stigma that's going to be associated with this pandemic. We haven't even scratched the surface. We're not even there yet. Um, because that's why I say there's so many layers to this. Um, what I knew very early on, though, and I, now I can comfortably say the most educated people that I know, the smartest physicians I've ever worked with, the, the smartest educated people I know are all vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to say something. You know, I mean, if it wasn't <laughs> medically valid, if it wasn't safe and effective, they wouldn't do it. Um, yeah. And and, that's, and, and um, I agree with you. Same here. But also, I don't think that my friends who aren't vaccinated are stupid. No, no, no. I, yeah. I was just going to say, just if they're, say if they're that listening. The people that know that I that yeah, know the yeah, most yeah. about it know that it's safe and effective. So I, just I just understand like their point of view also, again, with not trusting the government and, you know, something that's new to them. But yes, people who are in the medical field who I know who are very smart, very educated, all, all get vaccinated. I, I hear you on that. And, and on top of that, I like just it's as medical professionals, we have tremendous responsibility and potential to influence people. Um, and to contribute to herd immunity by now we know what that is yeah by getting <laughs> vaccinated and telling others to do so and encouraging other people to protect themselves so that they don't get seriously sick or take up more resources you know really yeah. yep we, so, we are in strange times my friends yes we are very strange <laughs> times the future is here so i had one more question what would you like to tell people who are nervous to get the vaccine? Um, honestly, I tell them to take an anxietyolytic or two Benadryl before they go take it and um, just go get it because it's the safe thing, the best thing to do. And then just drink a lot of water and take it easy for a day. And I tell them you're going to be just fine. Yeah. I mean, when I got mine, I just had, you know, I took, I took Pfizer. I haven't taken the booster for it yet, but I did have a great deal of pain in my arm but it's nothing compared to childbirth. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like you a bee sting or something. I didn't have any other side effects after, but which vaccine did you take? Just curious. Well, so I got mine at the beginning of January of 2021. Um, and I got Moderna. I got just one vaccine and then I got the Moderna rash and it lasted about 18 or 19 days. And because of that, some of my colleagues were like, Tristan, you should just wait the way your immune system is and you still have this rash. Um, we don't know what it's going to do. You know, it seemed like it was so scary. And I continued to check my quantitative antibodies every two months. And then finally, I decided in July to get the Pfizer series. And I just went ahead and got both. And I didn't have any problems with the Pfizer at all. And actually, the, the Moderna rash is well known now and it's self-limiting. But I didn't know at the time there was very little data on it. And so I didn't really know that it was not that big of a deal. I was scared. Yeah. And, what, about, and what about you, Hiram? I you got, Pfizer? I, I am team Pfizer. 
Um, and I got all the way. My I got my vaccine in March. I probably wasn't supposed to get it at that time, but I I had somebody who was eligible for it, and they were going to miss their appointment, and then they called. Allegedly. <laughs> no, actually. That's exactly what happened. And then they called HEB and then HEB is a store down here in, in Texas. And then they were like, you know what? At this point, you know, we're just trying to get people not to miss their appointments or trying to get people to fill up the appointments. So they recommended them to just choose somebody to take their place since they weren't going to oh, wow, make it. Okay. I and, thought you were going to say something illegal. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Not, not, not this time. Uh, but yeah, I ended up getting Pfizer. Um, and that was after I had like so many discussions. I, I have a couple of friends who actually worked kind of on the research and development side of some of the COVID efforts. Specifically, one of my friends works in the biotech industry and he was working to develop those rapid tests. Um, and I had talked to him at length about the vaccine and and then he had another friend who actually worked on the development of vaccines in general. I don't know if COVID in specific, but anyway, I just got fed a lot of information right before I got my my poke. And so I went in there feeling pretty good about it. And that's the thing is that um, having people that you know and trust, you know, inform you of, of why this is so beneficial. And unfortunately, there are some people who spread misinformation and you know, even in the medical field, and that creates a lot of mistrust and misinformation. And I, I really, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you're Kristen. Right. Um, I was, I was just going to say that <laughs> one time I was reading a book by Doctor Who Knows What, and it was on medicine. Doctor Who Knows What. Okay. Doctor Who Knows What, and then I, I read the end of like the like the back of the book, and I found out that Doctor Who Knows What was writing about biology as a doctor in education so oh no <laughs> yeah. i hate that <laughs> so he was a doctor but not the right kind of doctor and that's yeah exactly and that's why i every time somebody comes to me with questions i always tell them consider your source always always consider your source first before you consider that that information or misinformation always consider the source mm-hmm. yeah Yep. Awesome. Good talk, you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining our podcast and uh, teaching me even more than you already taught me before. What did you learn, Hiram? Did you learn anything that anything new? Absolutely. So, Tristan, every time at the end of our podcast, I like to, and I'm really glad Carissa asked me because I really like to talk about action, right? Uh, we always sit down and have all these discussions, but I think it's really rare when those discussions are conducive to actual change in our life. And from our discussion with you today, I think one important thing that I've learned, firstly, is to always encourage everybody to trust medical professionals because they know best and because we can't pretend to understand medicine. I, that's really important. And, and I know it sounds really obvious, but I think that some people really miss the mark on how complicated our bodies are, like how each individual hormone, vitamin or whatever in our body, how much it could impact the way that our body works. And we, you know, are constantly learning new things about it. And so we should always be humble, not arrogant about what we feel we understand about medicine, encourage that for others 
and more importantly, especially at this time, encourage people to go and, and get their vaccines. So that's what I'll be doing uh, in the next couple of days after our talk, Tristan. I think I feel inspired as in getting oh, a I think Tristan's gone. of fresh air. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm Tristan. Sure. I just heard a whole thing. Okay, well, we lost Tristan, but uh, is this your is this your sweet nothings too included? Yeah, I, I'd say this is my sweet nothings. Be be loving, be compassionate, open minded, humble, and oh, welcome back, back, Tristan. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> we were like, oh, she wasn't loving the sweet nothings. No, I love it. <laughs> thank you. So yeah, much. no, I. Yeah, yeah, no, but thank you so much, uh, Tristan, for for all that information, for those recommendations. I think it's going to be important and and really creating lasting change because what we know about things like viruses and pandemics is that they grow exponentially. So if we could stop one person or we could, you know, help one person from getting sick by getting our vaccine, we could probably help thousands, right? Mm -hmm. Who knows the way that our infections are, you know, exponentially going around. So it's better to. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, One thing that was important to me that I learned was uh, learning more about herd immunity, because like I said, uh, you can get a lot of information off social media or, you know, talk to people about uh, what's happening about, you know, with, with uh, the virus and everything. But I've just learned that people use these terms incorrectly and, if before you have conversations with people about something that can affect other people's lives, I'd say do your research. And I say that about about everything when I when I talk about things on social media that are important to me. You know, things are very serious. Like before you argue with somebody on social media, please do your research because when you spread misinformation, you're not only hurting yourself, but you could also be hurting other people as well if you're incorrect on you know what you're talking about. Right. And, and recognize that your research may not be as valid as the professionals in that field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And one step further, always look at the methodology. And I mean, I guess you have to be more knowledgeable in the field uh, to really know what methodology is um, most efficient. But usually, I think in medicine, you could correct me if I'm wrong, Tristan, double blind experiments and stuff are, are some of the best practices. Um, I mean, there are other methods of studying like other facets trials yeah yeah but clinical trials you know they're usually like they're 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 usually will be like a standard for how data is measured and you should always be on the lookout to make sure that the sources that are providing you this research are following the gold standard of data interpretation and collection because that varies too you could find a research paper that says blah 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 and it's by like doctor whoever but you look at the methodology and all he did was interview five people and exactly look at the sample size look at yeah your, your resources look at um what type of control trial they did exactly and, yeah, and, don't it, ju- and don't just don't just look at one source either uh, but that's a whole 500 yeah. level class in and of itself to understand look at multiple sources look at research from multiple doctors before you claim that you're some online COVID genius, please. (laughs) Honestly, like Tristan said, we could sit here all day and talk about how to interpret data because... Let's uh, go. Let's do it. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Data is one of those things, you know, that could be uh, presented in a million different ways. And 
Oh God, I, I I get a headache just from thinking about. It. I mean, I didn't do any that's, medical. That stuff is interesting to me. I got my highest grade in data analysis and in mm-hmm. research writing. So that stuff is all interesting to me. But I feel like if we if we did an episode about it, people would fall asleep because <laughs> not. That's what people <laughs> need to know. It would be like Joe Biden right? during um, yeah. climate change global warming <laughs> conference, falling asleep. <laughs> Oh, oh, Joe oh, Biden. Sleepy That's... Joe. Funny. <laughs> uh, at right, least well, he was at the climate conference. At least That's he, was right. there. he was there. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a step further from, you know, other times. Yes. Yes. Well, I feel like right. we've taken up a lot of your time, Tristan. You're a very busy woman. You're a businesswoman and you're in the medical field as well and you have kids and you have her babies. So, um, I know you're a very busy woman. Thank you so much for taking this time out of your day to, to yeah, chat with so us welcome. and to spread awareness on COVID and the vaccine and all that. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Tristan. Have a good one. All right. too. Have a great night. Thanks you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of our podcast. Please tune in next time. For more rebellious, considerate, and open-minded chats about different topics with different guests. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts.